Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another awesome podcast here at DraftSite.com. As usual, I am DJ Boyer. But the last couple of podcasts, I've been solo, but that is no longer the case because uh, the call to the bullpen has been made. And they said, DJ, you do a pretty good job with this, but we need another competent voice. Someone even, you know, more competent than you that's just going to carry us to the next level. And Buddy, Buddy was brought to me. The, the skies parted. The angels started singing. And Buddy descended upon us. Buddy, quick introduction. Take it away, my man. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, new to draft site. I started last August with scouting reports. I'm really diving into that. Uh, took the scouting academy class between September and the end of December. So I'm just getting from doing that back into the scouting reports heavy, uh, trying to get four or five players watched a day. I'm a quirky guy. I'm not just going to put the info up on some players. So if you see, like, a lag and picks not being there, it's because I'm still deciding exactly what I think of the player and exactly what I want to put out there for information and um, how it impacts our draft, too. Um, I'm not going to be out there killing guys who are going high. I'm really not going to be somebody who's killing many players. There's maybe two players in this draft right now that I really am not high on. Um and I will be vocal and opinionated about that, but in a, you know, in a professional That's life. what we like. That is what we like. And even just to show everyone in the in the midst of this political climate and all the division in the country, Buddy and I, you know, we're, we're going to be amicable. Everything's great, even though you can tell a little bit by that uh, that dialect there that he's uh, one of those Boston, those New Englanders. And I'm down yes, here, a fan guy, and, and and I grew up a Yankee fan, but we're we're gonna we're gonna get along. Everything's good. It's, oh, it's that's perfect. Right. No. It's all good. Is uh, you does two teams you have to say for me to automatically be like, I don't know if I can really accept liking this guy. One is the Montreal Canadiens. If you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, there is a good chance I will not like you. Philadelphia Flyers, we're okay there, and we're really not even a team right now. No, so I, I cheer, I'm cheered for the Flyers. I've been to Flyers games down there. I've been to Sixers games down there. I've been to Eagles games down there. I've actually seen all 40 of teams play home games against teams not from Boston. We'll take that. Who's the other team? Uh, I do not like the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, well, we have that in common. Well, but with my uh, down where my my mother and the other part of the family lives down in Tar Heel country, I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel in all college sports. So the only only team, even though I have to admit I'm liking Daniel Jones, but the D word that rhymes with puke, I can't even say it. It's it's a swear word, but it's okay. Yep. So that's what we have, buddy. For when I have to utter that word, buddy will utter that word. So. All right. Yes. I we're talking Daniel Jones. I'll be the one that says. <laughs> Hey, I, I that, that's okay. I, I, I got to like the guy. No, nothing wrong with him personally. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into it. But as much as we're talking about the draft in college, and we're going to come around to that, but it's another awesome time of year right now. It's playoff time, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we're past the, the first round. We've got eight teams remaining. I say we just uh, go in order as far as uh, the teams that are going to be playing this week. So I'm trying to help the uh, – Let's uh, let's get to the uh, docket as far as uh, the NFL slate for this weekend. 
I believe we're starting in, uh, what's the first game, the NFC? I'm sorry, I think it's the no, NFC game. Kansas City. It's going to be the AFC, that's right. It's uh, some young quarterbacks duking it out. It's the revival of Andrew Luck against Patrick Mahomes, and it's 50 touchdowns. Quick synopsis, I'm going to throw it to you for your first take on this game. What do you think the key matchups are? Uh, what are you kind of feeling in this game in Arrowhead? I feel the Colts are going to win this game. As surprising as that is, I think they have been the best team over the last 10 weeks. Point differentials matches that. Their record, they've beaten some pretty good opponents. They've won games on the road. I just feel right now the Indianapolis Colts are destined to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm saying that as a Patriots fan, and it pains me to say it. But I just, that's the way I'm feeling. I don't trust the secondary of the Kansas City Chiefs at all, especially if Eric Berry isn't out there. Uh, Steve Nelson is your number one corner. They're going to throw all day with T.Y. Hilton. And these other guys, Don Carl Lindman is one guy that I wanted New England to sign back in September, October, before this draft forward and thing happened. He's just a, a hand-catching stud, as I'd like to refer to him as. And uh, with Ebron in the middle, I, I just think they're going to just continually make third downs. As loud as that place gets, I just think they are going to get the third downs and just keep moving the chains and put up enough points to win. Well, I think we're going to start out on a good note because uh, really no argument here. You really look at the way the stars are aligning. Indianapolis looks to be the kind of the sexy team that everyone wants right now. And why not? Andrew Luck has probably been the NFL MVP over the second half of the season. We look at some of the deficiencies that Andy Reid, of course, being an Eagle guy, seen him for years, great coach, but uh, he's come up short in the postseason time and time again. Kansas City hasn't won a playoff, I think, since Moby Dick was a minnow uh, playoff game, so it's been a long, long time. I, I really feel that, you know, all the momentum is for Indiana right now, uh, Indianapolis, and, and really all the pressure really seems to be on the Chiefs' shoulders because they've been here before. They've done that. They just can't follow through. So Indianapolis, you get this feeling like they're playing without money right now. And I, and I think just the turnaround along the lines, one, uh, Darius Leonard is, is the NFL defensive uh, rookie of the year. If not, I think he's in consideration for defensive player of the year. Probably if it's outside of Aaron Donald, he's probably second. I mean, uh, it's just a phenomenal season. The offensive line and how they've grown by leaps and bounds and showing that Quentin Nelson was such a great draft pick, one that goes unnoticed. Very similar to Dallas taking Zach Martin a few years ago. Maybe it's something with guards from Notre Dame. But Indianapolis, it just starts with, Good fundamental football along the line, tackling, uh, probably the best tackling team that's left. I, I believe they were second in the NFL as far as wrapping up and, and as far as uh, actually following through on tackles. So it's the little things like that. Everything seems to be going Indianapolis's way, even though the, the Pat Mahomes effect hasn't been in a playoff game yet. So the, the jitters, I think, are going to get to them a little bit. I think this could be the most entertaining game that we see this weekend. But I'm going. I'm going Indianapolis here, thirty-one twenty-seven. Well, thirty-one twenty-seven. You can give me a score. Then that that sounds around ballpark of where it's going to be because Mahomes is going to get his with the talent that he has on offense. Uh, we'll see about Sammy Watkins being available too because you really want to put Calvin Benjamin out there in a playoff game. And something tells me here, don't sleep on Marlon Mack. I think there's there's going to be an impact here. Uh, trying to get after uh, Luck so much that I think uh, we're going to see uh, kind of a sneaky game out of there, maybe establish the run a little more than what Kansas City's anticipating. 
what's going to bring us to L.A.? You've got the Rams a little bit beat up at the end of the season. Do they do they have the momentum left? Uh, you've got the Dallas Cowboys who it's kind of interesting because you see Dallas, it, it's a team that many really thought was, you know, do they get enough play out of Dak Prescott? You've got Ezekiel Elliott, but the defense, I think, is really what stepped up. And, and you know, we both were not Cowboy fans, but I got to say, the defense has really turned it around. This is a different looking Dallas team, especially in the middle there. Jalen Smith and then uh, Leighton Vander Esch really covering, they get sideline to sideline about as fast as any linebacker tandem in the NFC. Uh, so I think Dallas has, has a puncher's chance in this. It's LA in that layoff. Do you think there's a little bit of rust there? The health of Todd Gurley? How concerned are you if you are an LA Ram fan? I'm pretty concerned because they didn't look good coming down the stretch. Like you, you mentioned the injuries and you know, you just, last year they did have a home playoff game and lost that too. So, I mean, they've gained no real home field feel or aura. They haven't built anything like anybody's going to say, ah, oh, they won a playoff game there last year. And I think there's going to be more Cowboys fans in the stands than Rams fans. They train there. They, they, it's a good possibility you're going to see a lot of Cowboys fans there tomorrow night. Yeah, I think this is uh, really not only Todd Gurley, but Robert Woods really dinged up, too. And even though he's not that, I'd say, um, name that everybody knows that he's just the, the glowing star, but Robert Woods has really grown by leaps and bounds, especially after the injury to Cooper Cup, who was, uh, I think, was really probably the favorite target before the injury for uh, uh, for Jared Goff. They kind of came in together. They really had a, seemed to have a good rapport. So I think uh, this is really going to come down to, to Todd Gurley kind of establishing that run. And uh, I, I would not be surprised either way. I'm going to give the advantage to L.A. just slightly, but a Dallas win here does not surprise me at all. I think this is a rather low-scoring game. Um, I'm, I'm going to go 20-18 to 18 here, Rams. I think, I think this is a lower-scoring game. I think there's a little more uh, defense in the trenches, and uh, the punters might be the – might be a battle of the punters and, and, and field position. I think it's going to be a big key here. This could come. This has the feel to a game that could come down to a special teams play. No, and if that's the case, advantage right now might be with a guy like Tavon Austin getting revenge on his old team. Oh, didn't think about that. That's very, very good. Almost swinging me there again. Not surprised either way here. Well, we're going to move into Sunday: Chargers and Patriots. Of course, we got. Uh, we're going to have one of each of our teams here. Uh, Patriots again. You've got a layoff there. Chargers, thirteen and four. You know, have the better record, but again, just finishing behind uh, KC. So they're actually the the playoff uh, wild card here. And Philip Rivers, I believe, is it zero and seven against the Patriots. I don't. I don't believe he's ever beaten the Patriots. The one zero oh, and seven against Brady. He beat him in the Castle. Yeah, he won a Sunday. There you go. Thanks, Thanks, Castle. Never, never beaten Brady. Uh, they had the one playoff run in. I believe that was, what, 2007, 2008, the uh, championship game when uh, Phillip Rivers looked like he was playing on uh, one healthy knee and one that was like a cadaver or looked like someone from The Walking Dead. But he went out there and kind of toughed it out. Um, I, again, I just feel – year before in San Diego. Yeah, I really feel like everything points here to the Chargers being the better team. But not having the experience, I think, coming down the stretch, this is one of these, kind of like Jacksonville last year, where Jacksonville kind of outplayed New England most of the game. 
couldn't put them away. New England found a way to get it done. I think it's kind of going to be the same thing here. I think maybe L.A. jumps out a little bit early, but they don't get too far. And just New England, they chip away. They find a way to get this thing done. I'm going 24-20 Patriots. Uh, but, again, this is a very good matchup. No, here's a very good matchup. Uh, one of the big things being talked about here is how not only has it been coast-to-coast two weeks in a row for the Chargers, but they've traveled four out of the last five weeks. And just listening to former players talk about it, it does have an effect on your body. As much as you are flying first class and, you know, chartered planes, it does have an impact on the body. Yeah, this is this is what the Patriots are built for this time of year. I mean, it's no secret this has not been the prettiest of years. Uh, there were a lot of people writing them off for the one and two star. No, is this is this the end of the Patriots as we know it? But of course, they just find a way to win. It doesn't have to be pretty all the time. They're they're, they're just in the win column. They finish ho hum eleven and five, win another AFC East title. Uh, this is a game where I really think it comes down to experience. Uh, I think that the winner of the Indy KC game might might be the kind of the favorite going in there, but I, I think that uh, New England finds a way to get it done against the Chargers, but again, uh, there's a lot of people rooting for Phillip Rivers out there. Older guy, you know, he's getting at the end of his uh, the career there. Will he ever get another chance? Who knows? May, this could be a swan song. Oh, it, as a Patriots fan, I say this. The Chargers are the more talented team. Pretty much position by position. It just comes down to the experience of the playoffs. Sometimes that rings big that these teams win at the end. The Spurs Absolutely. won as not the most talented team, but the team that was best put together. Agreed, and that brings us to the final game. Uh, this is the Saints and Eagles, and uh, if anybody remembers, I believe it was about week 10 or 11, uh, the Saints put an absolute just curb stomping on the Eagles. I believe that was 48-7. to so there, there's a little bit of a familiarity here, obviously. Uh, obviously, I mean, being an Eagle fan, but this is the team that scared me. Last year I said the Saints were the one team that scared me. Of course, we had the, the miracle play in Minnesota, uh, and uh, the Eagles did not have to go through for the Saints. Uh, and I've said it again. I just This is just not the team they match up with, especially with the secondary. It's, it's gotten better. But, again, they've really got to, to have any sort of uh, chance here. I think they really, really have to pressure Drew Brees. When you've got a quarterback that's that accurate, he's just going to pick you apart. I think even a, a talented Eagles team is going to have – that they have absolutely no prayer unless they are getting consistent heat on Drew Brees. And that offensive line, again, much like Indianapolis, they've grown by leaps and bounds. Uh, really, really done a good job in, in New Orleans. I think this is a game that's kind of close, and I think it has the feel that New Orleans pulls away late, uh, makes it a little more lopsided. I'm going to go 38-20, to 20, and again, I'm an Eagle fan, but I'm going toward the Saints. But I will say this, you know, that Nick Foles magic, if he wins, does this again, I think Bradley Cooper's playing him in a Disney movie. If, if the Eagles find a way to get by, I'm not saying they win it all, but there's really not a team that scares me anymore. This is the one team as an Eagle fan that absolutely scares me. If they find a way to get by... Even though they squeaked in, I think the in the Final Four, the Eagles have just as much of a chance as anybody else. But you really got to like Drew Brees in New Orleans. That defense just plays consistent, does enough. I think New Orleans uh, will ride this to victory. Oh, for the Eagles, the biggest thing is, do they have somebody who can just stay with Michael Thomas? Because it's such a rotation of players on the other side. They run so many 
positional groupings, Michael Thomas is pretty much the guy who's always on the field. Even the running back split time. So it's a matter of finding somebody to shut him down, or at least contain him at some, you know, at some high level. And, you know, pick and choose and beat on the other guys. Uh, I'm just going to take it back to 2010. The Patriots beat the Jets here 45 to 3 in December on a Monday night and lost to them in the playoffs. Playoffs is a different animal. You get a hungry team. You get a team that won it, experienced. I think the Eagles are winning this game. And I would love to see that. And I think they've got a they've got a puncher's chance. I know it. It's not going to be 48 to 7. I think it's it's a very different team. Obviously, Carson Wentz was actually still a quarterback. Probably his worst game of the season there. Uh, you make a great valid point about, my, about Michael Thomas because the one thing that you can say about the Eagles' pass defense, uh, only team in the league that's uh, wide receivers who've had 150 yard uh, yards and, and more. Six times the Eagles have given up 150 yards to a receiver this year. That leads the league. So just letting that, that one guy kind of beating you. I mean, uh, we saw Amari Cooper just absolutely destroy him. Uh, Corey Davis from Tennessee had a career day. There's just a lot of uh, number one targets that really just had big, big days against that Eagles secondary. I think if they're able to get consistent pressure, uh, I, I think that they can do just enough in the running game. And the the X factor for, for Philadelphia, I think, is getting pressure and Darren Sproles, how they utilize him out of the backfield. One mm-hmm. thing that New Orleans defense does have a problem with is those running backs who are very, even though they do it a lot themselves with Alvin Kamara, those running backs who are very versatile, versatile uh, catching passes out of the backfield. The linebackers have kind of struggled in coverage there. So I think you see if the Eagles can do that with Darren Sproles and make him a bigger part of this offense, I think that's kind of a nightmare for, for New Orleans. But it doesn't matter who Drew Brees is throwing to. He's just so darn accurate. So as long as the, the protection holds up, yeah, they should be okay. I think if the protection holds up. All right, well, so we'll see how we do. But we're going to move on to the uh, – we're going to move on to college, and then we'll, we'll do a little more of our a little activity we have with, with the NFL here. Real quickly, thoughts on that championship game. Clemson, did you, did you see this coming, the absolute whitewashing, 44-16 over Alabama? No, no, no uh, nobody can truly say they saw this coming. That was unbelievable. And even when they got up by 21, all I could think of was the Georgia SEC championship game. And just like, what is Alabama going to do to make that run? What are they going to do to make this close? And it just never happened. And getting shut down near the goal line on fourth down uh, when they strung out the run play. And Clemson got the ball back in, just moved the ball right away and scored. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, we, we don't have any argument on 2021 who's going number one, right? <laughs> I don't think there's any argument here. It's, it's unbelievable. He, he looked so... He came out, he threw hot a few times, first few throws, but to tell you the truth, he calmed down, and he was just putting it in there. And that touchdown pass in the end zone, over a defender, high to his receiver, to the post, was just an unbelievably great throw. That's a great NFL throw, never mind an NCAA freshman. Yeah, and I don't want to hear the, the people, the detractors saying, oh, it's four years in a row these guys have played. And when you, you heard the players from Alabama, you heard the players from Clemson, they didn't think it was a big deal. They're like, you know, we think of it as they're just on our schedule because they seem to end up playing each other every year. But as a college fan, I don't care if they meet 10 years in a row. I want to see the two best teams duke it out. And there's no question that these were the two best teams. 
I think this was a year that the the four best got in. I mean, yes, Notre Dame got waxed a little bit. It was a little bit of a easier schedule, but it really you can't really blame them. That schedule set a couple years in advance. There's some tougher teams that had some down years, and they waxed Michigan mm-hmm. before they really knew what was going on. So I've got no problem with the way the playoff, the way everything played out this year. It was the two best teams there were. I just think turnovers, it doesn't matter how good you are, you turn the ball over. We saw it there, and the fact that baiting uh, – Baiting two and two interceptions by really kind of showing them some looks that they haven't done before are just masterful. And I, I, I've said it before, Brent Venables really just sticking around there uh, must really, really love his job because that, that's a guy who could probably qualify for seven, eight jobs right now. Just walk if he made himself available, announced he was leaving Clemson. There's probably programs out there that would be falling over themselves to try and hire this guy. Absolutely. No doubt about that. In four straight years, just solid defense. And some of these kids, you know, started out as freshmen in this program. You look at a guy like Christian Wilkins, played right through. It's just amazing. Well, you watch these kids grow in big games right from the beginning. And I'll tell you that Christian Wilkins was the guy I came out with with stock way up out of that game, just the way he played. And uh, Anthony Jennings. The edge player for Alabama was another guy who really, I thought, balled out in that game. Yeah, and a guy who really had to show himself after his uh, injury last season. How much do you think not playing Dexter Lawrence, who was really seen by many people kind of being that nose tackle at the next level, just a a guy who even that big can really get off the ball and really can get some penetration as well. How much do you think him not playing in this game and, the positive tests and everything surrounding him, how much do you feel that that's going to hurt the stock now? And if it is hurting it, do you think he has a chance to kind of get that momentum back? You may be able to go in and talk to teams at the Combine and maybe win a few teams back. It only takes one team to look beyond it. And I could, a team like the Chiefs, if it falls that far, I can see them grabbing him, putting him in their crowd and just being dominant. You said the key phrase, it's, it only takes one. I mean, there's no question that maybe he's targeted by 15, 16 teams before. Maybe it's only five, but it only takes one. I think maybe he slips down the board a little bit, and maybe with Wilkins going in the opposite direction, maybe he goes before him. Maybe he's third off that uh, since uh, uh, Colin Farrell has uh, declared now and, and made it official. Uh, maybe he's the third mm-hmm. lineman off there, but it's kind of ridiculous when – Austin Bryant's probably more of a second-round prospect, but he could sneak into the end of round one. You could see, that. You could see four starters. You could see the entire defensive line getting drafted from, from Clemson, which uh, is, is just unheard of. Yeah, no. We're, we're going back to the U days where, you know, the tight end, the receiver, and the running back are all going in the first round. Uh, that's where we're going with that. That's what this Clemson defense has done in. Why I can't believe the guy doesn't want a head coaching job, but I guess two million and knowing you're going to win and play in big games is good enough for Venable. Yeah, and you know the more I think, or you see guys, even like Cliff Kingsbury, you know, well-paid assistants who are now going to the NFL. The more I think about a, a person like Lincoln Riley, who you know obviously inks his extension, he stays in Oklahoma. I don't know, call me crazy. I don't think I'd go to the NFL anymore. I mean, it used to be a big pay disparity, but now you see. Jobs of someone like Steve Wilkes who just comes in with a kind of a substandard roster one year and he, he's done. Uh, there in college, you have a couple good years behind you. It, it's gonna, it's 
so much more to kind of knock you off that pedestal. The pay is almost the same now. I mean, maybe you can say just the schedule. Maybe there's more hours you spend as far as the recruiting trail. But I just don't think the prestige of, quote, coaching in the NFL is what it used to be anymore. I think college is – uh, some people probably say even better. I, I just think that uh, it's it's not the disparity that we saw in the past. Your thoughts? No, I, I I agree with you there. Not a lot of guys are trying to make the leap. Not a lot of guys are being brought in to interview. Uh, you can take Kingsbury was maybe the only guy this year, and it seems like guys are just moving around to other places. Um, Adam Gates just goes from, you know, Miami to the Jets, stays in the division. You know, grabs his defensive coordinator and Greg Williams today, and they go at it. It just seems like it's a lot of boop, and it's almost like free agency at the NFL level with coordinator and head coaching jobs. It's just, oh, he just went somewhere else. He's going to start a new program again. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, and I, I've said it before. I really think if there's anyone who could make the jump now, I'm a big – I really, really like David Shaw at Stanford. Uh, I thought that maybe if anyone made the jump, he would uh, – Kind of make the jump, but it's kind of uh, quieted down. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, I think he gets overlooked a lot, especially in the Big 12. Lincoln Riley is kind of the the, the one that everyone focuses on. But what Matt Campbell's done to that Iowa State uh, program, uh, even though you know they have four or five losses a year, but they big, beat some big-time programs. They're in a lot of games. I think that's another guy. Maybe in the next two or three years, we're going to hear more about him. Um, there was a little bit of a whisper that maybe Cleveland would be looking his way, but uh, that's, that's not going to be the case. But but Matt Campbell, another another young coach, too, that I, I really feel uh, has a shot going to the NFL. No, he, he's another good candidate. I like Shaw a lot. I'm kind of surprised he didn't get any looks this year. Uh, I, I know it was a down year for them after they lost Bryce Love. But he, he's a guy who's, who works on the draft set. Days two and three, and gives a lot of input and has a lot of knowledge on college players. So I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't gotten that book yet. Absolutely. And before we get to our resolutions, we're going to, we're going to break it down, everyone. Uh, Buddy's got AFC teams. I've got NFC teams. Kind of going to do these resolutions for the coming year. A little bit about the draft there. I'm going to miss Mike Mayock. <laughs> He's a GM now yeah, in Oakland. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of a big loss to me being one of these draft picks. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do without Mayock? So that's uh, a little bit of a void there. I think we got to dust up our resumes and see what we can do there. So I'm, I'm just curious. Now, the teams go back and watch what he said about previous players and figure out who he's going to target in free agency. Is that something that yeah, NFL team thinks to do? They assign to yeah, hey, that's, hey, that's a good thought. I hadn't thought about that. This is why we like having Buddy around. Look at him. Another perspective. I like that. I like that a lot. So you well, tell an intern, hey, go find out who Mike Mayock's top five, top ten was from the 2014-2015 who are going to be unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents and see how he goes about his business. That tape is out there. Absolutely. I like the thinking. Well, the activity we have here is just kind of some resolutions. Uh, I think maybe we'll go team by team, NFC, AFC, kind of a go back and forth. I'm going to do mine in alphabetical order. It's just off the top of my head here. Um, with uh, I'll start, if that's cool with you. Go for it. We're going to go with uh, NFC. We're just going to go with our resolutions, what every team is kind of looking for or, or next year, what I think. So I'm going to start with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think there's really two resolutions here. First, 
I would say, boy, Burnett, they, they just got to stay healthy. You want to talk about a team that was bit by the bug this year. Atlanta lost, lost more man games on defense than any other NFC team this past season. Lots of big injuries early on. Some guys got uh, healthy down the stretch, but Atlanta was just decimated. Uh, and this was really supposed to be their year that they were kind of going to get back, get to the Super Bowl. They're, they're a team that I liked. I said uh, that I thought I had them picked to go all the way to the conference championship game against New Orleans. I said that uh, Atlanta would be the team that would uh, battle New Orleans, get in on a wild card, and uh, come up a little bit short. But Atlanta was a team I really, really liked. So I, I think this is going to be a big year for them because if they don't contend for the South, uh, you kind of see Carolina taking a step back. Tampa Bay is kind of in a, in a rebuild again where, you, where you've got a new coach coming in. Everything's kind of pointed for Atlanta. So if, if they don't get it done this year, uh, I think maybe Danny Quinn might be uh, getting that resume done as well. I think this is a big year for the Falcons. I can agree with you. And when you lose Deion O'Neill and Deion Jones that early in the season, the serious injuries, I mean, you're already you're tearing up the middle of your defense. Absolutely. I'll, I'll – Throw it over to you. Give me a resolution, AFC team there. What do we got? All right, I'm going in divisional order. I get the Jets first. And my resolution is for the Jets is an offense around Donald with all the cap space and picks. They've got the money. They've got the picks. Go out there and build around this kid. You know, he's the guy now. And uh, see how guys fit in Adam Gates. See how many guys come up from Miami to play for the Jets, if he can bring some of his culture over. But uh, that'd be the first thing is, you know, building an offense around Darnold. Can't can't argue there. Um, do you like – if you're a Jets fan, you think you're – are you a fan of the Adam Gase hiring? There's parts that I like. He's got experience in the division. So he knows what everybody else is doing because – you know, the division is half the same. So you're taking over one of the teams and you're leaving a team that you know a lot about. And then you have the McDermott Dean thing, which we'll get into in a little bit. I'm very high on that team. Uh, in Buffalo. All right. And the Jet and you know, having beaten the Patriots down there, he's got a little bit of a recipe. So he could hire in some ways. I don't think he's the greatest coach in the world, but he did get the Miami Dolphins to the playoffs, so that's saying a lot. But uh, he wasn't really able to develop Tannehill beyond what he was. All good points. Well, we're going back, uh, throwing it to me here, the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, I think first, uh, I think their resolution would be hoping that they wake up. If I'm going to show my age a little bit here, but for, for people out there, if you remember the 80s show Dallas, the whole thing with uh, Bobby Ewing, he dies. You know, the whole, the whole season was a, was a dream. I think, first of all, Arizona wants to, to feel like this year was a dream. They just wake up, and this was all just horrible. I mean, they still have Josh Rosen. Really have to see if kind of the subpar performance there had more to do with the roster, or is it more with his attitude? Is he putting in the time? I think that that really is what's, what we got to see here. But since they've made their commitment, they have their guy, I just think they need the offensive line around them. We talked about some teams like Indianapolis like New Orleans, who really, uh, Dallas, when they, they rose back to prominence about two, three years ago, they kind of took the blueprint uh, from some teams where they really just build that offensive line and, and you kind of start there. I think that's what Arizona has to do because they've been, they've been trying to do it through free agency and patchwork, 
over the last three to four years, and it's just not working. Uh, so I think, first of all, getting a couple weapons, but if anything, they, they've just got to keep Josh Rosen upright because uh, he's he's taking a little more of a beating than what he deserves. So Arizona needs some, needs some linemen in front of Josh Rosen. That's a good point. And I, I look at that Arizona roster, and I'm like, how are they this bad? Because you look around, you got a Peterson here, a Chandler Jones there, David Johnson here, Larry Fitzgerald, who just doesn't seem to get old. And you've got some pretty good pieces there. They've missed on some draft picks recently. And then this year, a guy like Dayon Buchanan didn't fit into what type of defensive system they were in, so he brought it on the bench. And there's a guy who's going to be a steal as a free agent somewhere. But, yeah, and if Rosen's the guy, too, because, you know, I texted you yesterday as far as Cliff Kingsbury loving Murray and uh, maybe making him the number one pick and then having an option for Rosen, which would be oh boy, something Oh, boy, that's opening up a whole other can of worms. Yeah, that's another show, but we'll tease it now. <laughs> Throwing it back to you, buddy. Uh, I got the Bills next. And it's just continue the Bean McDermott process. Uh, they killed a lot of dead caps this year on their salary. Uh, guys like Marcel Darius, Don, Kelvin Benjamin, they used some at the end of the year. Uh, Cordy Glenn with his trade, there was some dead money there. Uh, they freed that up. They've got some good pieces in there. And they kind of target. I like the way they look. They, they're going up to the best players available. They don't care if they've got them at that spot already. And we'll create healthy competition, and let's go out there and win. And then going to the playoffs last year was a big deal to me. Uh, they weren't the best team in the playoffs, obviously, going in at 9-7, and seven, but they got that monkey off the back. And I just feel like they're building towards good. And out of the teams in the AFC East, I think they're the most prepared three years from now. Hmm, that's, a, that's a good thought. And, yeah, you're talking to a guy who was uh, actually at – the stadium watching the Ravens-Bengals game last year. I saw the the miracle play to Tyler Boyd. I have never been in a, in a life, no, in my life, doesn't matter what sport, in a stadium that got so quiet so fast, it was unbelievable. Uh, kind of a surreal yeah. environment. I'm going to go to Carolina where we've got, uh, I think, Cam Newton and North Turner. It was the first year they're kind of working together. I want to see if they're really on the same page because we hear a lot about that shoulder, the shoulder that apparently – they said was not right since Cam Newton and Carolina came back from that 17-point deficit and defeated Philadelphia. They were off to a 6-2 and two start, and the wheels fell off. Was it really the shoulder? Is it kind of some acclimate, getting acclimated to the system? Because really, I think this is the make-or-break year. If there's another down year in Carolina, I think we're going to hear more and more about jettisoning Cam or, or maybe kind of a, what what's next. I think in D.J. Moore, the, the second part of the season – had the look of a guy who could eventually become a number one receiver, and that's going to be really important because with uh, with Greg Olson, his health has been such a concern over the last few seasons. Uh, with Devin Funches, he's just not a number one guy. So uh, there, there's some pieces there, and McCaffrey's, you know, doing a great job, but you, you don't want a guy catching the amount, of, putting in the, the workload that he is constantly doing. I'm, I'm afraid that he's going to break down in a year or two, so... I just want to see, is Cam Newton and North Turner really on the same page or what's going on here? That's what I think for Carolina. It's a pretty good call, and they got to find – they got to draft in the top three rounds a big back. Just not even because he's great, but somebody just take the pressure and maybe some of the goal line touches 
Also, McCaffrey, because they're going to kill this guy. He is just doing way too much. You are so right with the workload. What do we got there, buddy? You're number three team. I have Miami. Get a head coach and finally develop that quarterback 20 years later to replace Marino because they have not <laughs> been able to do it. Yeah, gosh. Best quarterbacks uh, that they've had since Marino. Um, wow. Uh, it's a long Maybe Mike Burr? Is that like the top of his game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, it was at that uh, draft when the ten and the five Jets went in the first round. That was interesting. So, Yep. Good call. Good call. I'm going to go to Chicago, where, first of all, I think Chicago's resolution is going to be to petition the NFL to have baseball rules. But, you know, when you play baseball, you hit a hit one down the line, the ball goes off the foul ball, to home run. So I think Chicago, once their field goals, any extra points, you hit a, you hit a crossbar, you hit a goalpost, it's good. Because uh, Chicago would probably have two or three more wins. <laughs> so uh, I think first and foremost, but but I think really they're, they're way ahead of what people thought. I, I think a loss like that I think is going to do them so much good in the long run. It's really going to sting. And if anything, we've seen what a dynamic player Tyreek Hill is for Kansas City. And I don't think there's another player like him. But if you were to say Tyreek Hill like, I think Tariq Cohen could be that guy. Mm -hmm. Use him a little more as a receiver. I think that is Ty that's Tyreek Hill White. And I, I, I think if I'm that Chicago staff, I'm watching more and more of Kansas City. You've got an innovative offense there with Matt Nagy. I, I think that, that Cohen maybe is a star in the waiting if they use him the right way. We just talked about Carolina, and I'm just going to make a parallel. The Cohen-McCaffrey thing, how Cohen has Jordan Howard, McCaffrey needs a Jordan Howard. Oh, I like that. Very nice. Uh, something I'll look at in this draft, somebody who fits that. But he needs that type of guy where they can play together. They're totally different. Uh, that'd be big for going back to Carolina, but... Yeah, just stay the course. Matt Nagy did a really good job with coaching. Uh, Trubisky was much better than I thought this year. The receiving core is pretty good. Uh, good little group. Every guy kind of has their niche. Uh, I want to see the kid Sheehan, the tight end, uh, get developed a little bit more. Because uh, he came out as baby Gronk in the draft and get drafted in the second round a few years ago. Um, Ashland University. That's why I love those Ashland schools. Ashland University. And my last thing is the jump Roquan Smith makes. And oh, yeah. he becomes a leader in that secondary, in the uh, linebacking core, because what has it always been there? Buckus, Singletary, Erlaka, is Roquan that next guy? Well, I believe this brings you to your Patriots. Yep. To actually hit on some draft picks early. Uh, this whole draft class pretty much got red-shirted. Uh, the only – Michelle's playing. Duke Dawson is inactive every week. He gets a nice meal up in the press box. Good for him. Uh, yeah, to actually hit some on – and get some early impact players because I look at a team like the Colts and look at the impact players they brought in and what that's done to that franchise, sitting on Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard and – just right through the draft that's playing guys fifth round pick. Hey, this guy's a slot corner. Hey, this guy's a quality punt returner and does this. 
And to stop paying the middle class special teams only guys a lot of money. That's my resolution for my team. Sounds good. Well, we're going to move a, a little bit quicker here, and I'm going to say that Dallas, uh, the resolution here, it's really just got to be help on that offensive line. We, we talked a little bit about how that they built that line a few years ago, but think about this year. Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, they were beat up, banged up for most of the year. You've got Travis Frederick, who's been IR'd and uh, dealing with that, is that called Gillian Bear, I believe, that, that syndrome yeah, that's something. he doesn't have the feeling in his, uh, in his extremities and I mean, yes, the defense has risen up, and it's it's good. Dallas is more of a complete team, but now you don't want the defense to do all the work, and now all of a sudden what got you there is what's starting to be a deficiency. So I think Dallas is probably going to have to look at the offensive line a little bit, maybe even dress something in free agency, and make sure that what was their strength isn't suddenly a glaring weakness because the other they've turned a lot of the other areas around, but you want to sustain what got you there, and yeah, you, if you're a Dallas uh, fan, I think your biggest worry is, man, that, that that offensive line, people you were really counting on, they were they were really banged up this year. Yep. No, that's a really good call on them. I've got the Browns next, and I want protection for Baker. He's proved that he's got the moxie, he's got the attitude, he's got the leadership ability. You just got to keep him upright. It's what you what a do. fun team to watch this year! What a fun team to watch! Oh, that was so. So much fun and so easy to cheer for. Just because but when's the last so time you turned on a Browns game and said, I'm really looking forward to watching the Browns? I can't remember the last yeah. time that happened. Yeah, no, it's, it's been years. I mean, maybe a few years ago we all turned on for Peyton Ellis just because, like, really? What the, what the hell is going on <laughs> with this guy? But outside of that, really, when would you turn on the Browns? Good call there. Well, I'm going to go to the Detroit Lions and someone you were familiar with, Matt Patricia. It was his first year as a coach. So I think this is really, you know, he had that first year. It's under his belt. So I think this is the year we find out about that Patricia. I mean, no one's really going to doubt uh, the role, you know, the defensive coordinator there in New England and the fact that he's a good coordinator. Is he really a head coach? Because I think there were there were a couple decisions, maybe let some people kind of scratching their heads. Or you just kind of looked and you're like, is he really comfortable being the guy? And I think we're really going to find that out this year. Did Detroit get the right guy? I mean, he's obviously got the football smarts. But, you know, some people are more coordinators. Not everybody is built to be a head coach. I think this year we find out they want to know we got the right guy in Matt Patricia. Because I think the jury's still out on that. Is he a coordinator or is he a coach? Yeah, he tried to build the culture this year. There was some resistance. I think that's why Golden Tate was out. I think he was one of the guys who was really turned off by everything that was going on there. Yeah, let's see if he brings more of his own type guys in and can build something. It's tough in the first year. You're transitioning guys from, you know, a certain way, a certain culture, into something new and a lot more strict. So you are going to have resistance. So Yeah, let's see how year two goes for him. I think he gets three years at least. Yeah, he's, he's, in, he's in a tough division. That's the only the, the, the bad part there. You've got Minnesota that's close. Green Bay, as long as they got uh, Aaron Rodgers, they're, they're – you always got to worry. So uh, in a, he's in a tough division. That's really the only downside, I think, for, for Matt Patricia, that maybe he might have to show results a little faster than maybe some of these other coaches will because that's one of the tougher divisions in the NFC. All right. I got the Bengals next, and the only thing I'd want for the Bengals is new ownership because anybody who keeps Marvin Lewis around for 16 years really isn't in it for the right reasons. 
Good call. Good call there as well. Uh, I, w- I was amazed that uh, I thought he really was the cat. Uh, kind of had the nine lives there, so maybe some feline blood in there somewhere. Uh, we did talk about Green Bay. I talked about him a little bit, and I, I think they want to get the old Aaron Rodgers back. How much of this was Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers butting heads? But they were always a team that even when they were down by 20 points, you're like, they've got Aaron Rodgers. They're in this thing. This really felt like the first year where they got down maybe 10 points. You're like, well, this is about over because they haven't really shown me anything. So I think, I think Green Bay wants the old Aaron Rodgers back. No, that's a really good call, and we'll see if LaFleur is coaching the team or Aaron Rodgers is coaching the team. That's kind of the question now. They didn't go out and get a really strong voice or somebody with a lot of experience. So I'm curious who's really running the ship there. We go in Pittsburgh or Baltimore on your side? I got Pittsburgh. And my wish, if I'm a Steelers fan, is to completely not lose the AD trade. Because there are a lot of ways they're going to win it. They know he needs to move. Everybody knows he needs to move. People aren't going to give up a lot, and they're going to eat $21 million in cap. So... To not completely lose it, at least get a little something out of this deal, is a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so top of the top, just off the top of your noggin, one team that you think would benefit most, or you think where AB could go? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Nope, 49ers are one of them. They got the cap space, and the other team, surprisingly, is the Indianapolis Colts. Ooh, cap room. All right. Good and, and you were talking about Capron. The first team I thought of is the Jets, but does he trust Sam Darnold enough? But I, I could see that maybe New York. You know, he's a he's a he's a guy kind of likes the limelight. He's a me guy. Is that kind of the right no, fit for him? Too. But uh, San, San Francisco is the other team I would think. If you if you would give me two choices, I would say San Fran or the Jets. So we we definitely agree on the Forty ers and we're going to stay in uh, out in California because I've got the L.A. Rams. And, and I think for them, it's they need a championship this year or next year because we saw the exorbitant contracts that they've uh, been able to sign. I mean, big money for Brandon Cooks, uh, big money for Todd Gurley. Aaron Donald got his deal after that holdout. Uh, that you bring in Peters, you bring in Tlaib. There's just a lot of money being thrown around. And we know that a lot of this is because Jared, Jared Goff hasn't got paid yet. So I think the Rams – Maybe there's a little more pressure there to get a championship this year and sneak under the radar or do it next year because how many of these people are they going to be able to keep around once Jared Goff has his payday? So I think it's kind of a limited window. You can even say the same about the Eagles when with Carson Wentz if Lord, you know, keeps him healthy and the Eagles will eventually have to pay him as well. These rookie quarterback deals, it allows a lot of teams to maybe sign some other people, but they know it can't last forever. Nope, the Piper's coming. And my last AFC North team, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, I want to see a big year one to two. They talk about that, going from year one to year two. Jump from Lamar Jackson, and it's not just totally as a quarterback, it's specifically in the passing game. I need to see that leap. I need to see him working with receivers in the offseason and really focusing on the passing game. We know he can run. We know he can scramble. We know he can run the option. You've got to really focus on those NFL throws. Yeah, and, and another point you made about uh, Carolina getting another running back there. I mean, I think I think the, the the Ravens have to address that as well. Do they do they think it's going to be Gus Edwards 
Alex Collins, Kenneth Dixon going forward. I think maybe a stud there in Baltimore. Um, uh, and, and I'm wondering if Le'Veon Bell actually comes back somewhere. To me, does Baltimore make sense for a, and you got to think about it. it. It seems like there's a lot of animosity there. Think about if Le'Veon Bell were to come back to the Ravens and try and stick it to his former team. To me, that just seems like if you're a Le'Veon Bell guy, that would be the perfect scenario. That's a good call because they're going to free up the Flacco money, and they can just move that Flacco money over to Le'Veon, probably a little less, and you got Jackson on a rookie contract. So that's a really, really good idea. That's awesome. Well, I, I, would, I would love that to be like hard knocks. Get uh, Le'Veon Bell, do some hard knocks there. Oh, boy, I'm thinking big now. I'm thinking TV. <laughs> We're going to go Minnesota. I think the, over anything, the Vikings need an identity. I mean, they've got a great receiving core. Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, a lot of people think, oh, this guy's a bust, but not really a bust, but he's never going to be a number one or two guy. But when you guys got, like, Thielen and digs around you, he's a great number three. You've got Kyle Rudolph. You've got the receiving core. Dalvin Cook's getting healthy. You pay all this money to Kirk Cousins and kind of laying an egg there. And just with Mike Zimmer and then, you know, firing the offensive coordinator late in the season, it just seems like this team doesn't know who they are. I just think they need a way going forward because it's like we're seeing a different Viking team every two, three weeks. It's helter-skelter. Like, this is a team with multiple, like, personalities. I just don't think they have one direction, and I, I think that's what the Vikings need. It's a really good call. Again, married to Cousins, $56 million over the next two years. So he's not going anywhere. It's guaranteed. You're not going to pay somebody not to be there as bad as he was at the end of the year. And the way Thielen was pointing his finger in week 17 at him. It's just not a guy you can separate yourself from. I have the Colts next. And for them, it's Chris Ballard, keep hitting on draft picks, and spend wisely with the large cap room you have, and you're already in the final eight. You could be building something big there. This could be the next team. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the hottest team going right now. Speaking of hot teams, brings me to New Orleans. Plain and simple. Same, kind of same thing with the Rams. Got to win the next year or two because when Drew Brees resigned this year, it was a two-year deal. I think this is kind of a Peyton Manning thing. If he does win it all this year, you see him right off into the sunset. If not, he kind of gives it that one more go and says, I've played my contract, I'm done. So New Orleans, this could be their best chance. Uh, if they don't get it done this year, who knows, a lot can happen. Injuries, maybe next year. Uh, they're thinking that it's, it's Brees' last uh, season. Maybe things don't turn out that well. So New Orleans, I think there's a little bit of, I wouldn't say desperation, but I think they really feel this is the year. All right. Next, I have the Jags, which I had blank, and I said I would think of something on the spot, and I absolutely did. I need Tom Coughlin to be less in the office and more down in the room with all those personalities. Oh, I like that. Trying to figure out what's going on. you got a running back who's unhappy, who's hamstring issues. you got a cornerback who's talks trash down 40 to 7 and doing GQ articles because they had a good year last year. They got rid of Fowler, who was part of the problem because he was fighting with everybody. They need, they need more Coughlin. Ah, well, boy, you would have come to what I had on that one. Very, very nice. And speaking of Coughlin, what a great segue because I have the New York Giants. <laughs> we got a backward yeah, segue in there. I like that. Uh, now, unless you've been living under a rock, everybody knows that Eli Manning was a big story here. 
You know, they, they pass on the quarterback. They take Saquon Barkley, and, and you know, he had a great year. I was just, I was worried a little more about Saquon's health, but he stayed healthy most of the year. And we see it all the time where, uh, there's a last place team. I know two years, like it, it was Chicago, last place, first place. Last year, it was the Jags he just talked about in Philadelphia who went all the way to the Super Bowl. The Giants could be that team. When you look at the roster, there's a lot of playmakers there. They, defense is not horrible. Uh, you've got Landon Collins who'll come back healthy. I think Alec Ogletree played well. You've, I mean, you've got uh, OBJ. You just got to keep him kind of in line. You've got some other good receiving targets there. I don't think it's out of the the bounds to think if there's a worst to first team next year. Why couldn't it be the Giants? I mean, yeah, the, the Cowboys and Eagles are the best in that division. But if you look at the roster, are they leaps and bounds ahead of the Giants? I don't think so. So if Eli keeps it together or they take another quarterback and kind of groom them, uh, I, really, what do they do with Eli? And just get it together. This is a team that could have folded when they were like 1-6, 1-7. And, six, one and, seven. and they, they had a pretty good second half. So uh, the Giants aren't uh, – they're not, they're not dead. Good call. Good call. Uh, my next team is the Titans. And I'm going to say I need – the 2013 Kirk Cousins to come in and push Mariota, whether he's just a good backup or he takes over for Mariota. Because Mariota's got a lot of the RG3 thing with the injuries and missing games and taking hits that he doesn't need to take. They need to find that guy in this draft in about the third or fourth round who has starter capability or could be a good backup to somebody you develop and trade off as a chair. It could be maybe someone who could take it over in the the, the future. I, I like that. Not that I have any ideas. Clayton Thorson, Pearls, clear my throat there. So uh, yeah, I think there, there's a couple people. I think you can find in the middle of this draft that that could fill that role. And uh, boy, did Derrick Henry really uh, pour it on down the stretch. So, uh, but but you know they they need more than Blaine Gabbert there. Can't argue with that. And uh, yep, you know Mariota's been. What's what's the longest he's played? Consecutively without injuries. I mean, you gotta you gotta start to worry about the health there a little bit too. Yeah, no, it's the continued health. And not only that, new quarterback coming in. It's probably a new offensive system. So him and Mariota are starting off on even ground. Good call. Well, we're gonna go with my Eagles, and I'm gonna think. You know, I mean, this has been to me with that win last week. This is about what I was I was hoping for. You wanted them to be competitive this year, but really the whole season, it kind of felt, even from camp, like this was a dress rehearsal for 2019. No one knew about Carson Wentz, and he didn't start the year healthy. And I still think there's a lot to do with his back injury, kind of rushing through his rehab. Uh, I think that there's something to that. Jay Ajayi, was he the answer at running back? What are they going to do? It just felt like, yeah, we want to be competitive this year, but it just felt like all year the Eagles were kind of looking beyond, maybe more toward 2019. So they've had their dress rehearsal. I think they've showed some moxie, uh, maybe found a little bit more. I mean, one, uh, the big question, really, even though he's not a star star, they've got to figure out, are they going to pay Brandon Graham? Because he's a guy that if he hits the open market, there's going to be a couple teams that are really going to pay for him. Again, not like uh, maybe you think of like the, the star-studded defensive end. Maybe in that 10 to 15 range overall, but he really makes some timely plays. He's a guy that would really get paid. Uh, and uh, another thing, just watching the Eagles as much as I do this year, 
They're always a team that kind of starts slow, those tight ends. You know, Brent Selleck really worked on his blocking. By the time he was done, he, he was known as a blocker. Zach Ertz, really good, really good weapon. His blocking came along. Dallas Goddard, you got to really wonder when it's time to really, really pay Zach Ertz. Uh, do they let him walk? Because uh, Goddard's blocking has been light years beyond what anyone expected. So uh, this has kind of been a, a dress rehearsal for the future. So do the, do the Eagles like what they have? Uh, I think they do. I think there's reason for optimism as long as uh, Carson Wentz kind of stays the course and is healthy. You know, if uh, Zach Ertz and Selleck were ingredients, there's the perfect amount of each, and Dallas got it. He's that full, all-around tight end. That would be the way I'd describe Dallas got it. I'm very impressed by him. Uh, I have the Texans. How about protecting Deshaun Watson? 60 sacks this year for a guy who runs. What would happen if that were a pocket passer? How many sacks is that? Yeah, and that's just going to be their main focus. Yeah, I think that's it. it's pretty easy there. Uh, Seattle, this was supposed to be the year of the rebuild, and they still made the playoffs. So I still think they they got to get in the trenches, offensive, defensive line. I think the running game and the secondary was better than expected. So I think next year they find out, was that a fluke? Is this going to continue? But I think it's in the trenches for this team. I really think they need to concentrate on the lines, offensive and defensive side of the ball. Well, my next resolution is the Broncos. And unfortunately, in the last three hours, it needs to be a race, and I didn't look at it. And I said a quarterback for Kubiak. Well, Kubiak will not be there. So I will say a quarterback for Elway because he has swung and missed quite a bit. Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, uh, just swung and missed. Case Keenum is a good game manager, but he's not the guy you need. Not not in that city. You you need another guy who's going to be iconic. I mean, it, it took them to get Manning in eventually to go back to Super Bowls to be the guy who eventually replaced Elway, kind of the way we talked earlier about somebody replacing Marino. Uh, they need to do that in Denver, too. Good call. Tampa Bay, I really think here it's going to be, obviously, a lot of this is about uh, Jameis Winston. Once it was announced that he was going to be the guy for next year, I think right then, we didn't have to wait till the end of the year. Dirk Cotter was pretty much packing everything up. It was, it was the coach or the quarterback. Um, and really just the secondary, because that secondary, they, they've really been defunct of young talent. People haven't been groomed or come along like they've wanted. You're in a, you've got Drew Brees and Matt Ryan in that division. Uh, and again, if Cam Newton's going to be throwing the ball downfield, you've got some established quarterbacks. Tampa needs some corner help quick because they just don't have the pass rush. So I think uh, just a little bit more help uh, rushing the quarterback. And this is do or die for James Winston. Uh, now he's getting a whole new regime. He's got to prove he's the guy. Uh, to me, just piggybacking what you just said, do they go the way of the other day in last year's draft and go corner-corner first two rounds and really focus that and try to develop Carlton Davis as a third guy because it is it's spread offenses in in that division and covering, you know, Christian McCaffrey, too. And they have the ability uh, at yeah. linebacker to do that. But, you know, you you got to have corners in that division. It's like the old days when Green Bay went out and grabbed three corners because of uh, Moss, Reed, and Carter. You know, you you got to play to what you're playing often. Yeah, remembering uh, the Eagles of the early 2000s, there was, there was so much talk about that, that great defense and this and that. 
I really had a lot to do with the year. Boom, Lido Shepard, Sheldon Brown, one, two. Really allowed, uh, really allowed them to kind of uh, get after the quarterbacks up front. So, there's a lot to be said. For the Raiders, to replace Cooper and Max and get back to ground zero, where you were last August. Pretty much all I have to say about that. I think this guy's tearing this team apart. <laughs> well, I've got two more to go. I've got San Francisco. And again, it's not that worst the first scenario. But again, I'll say it now. I am not shocked if the 49ers win the West next year. I think the Rams, they'll be a little bit of a maybe backing up. Arizona, there, there's so many problems there. Seattle, I just don't think is tough enough up front. At San Francisco's got so much uh, money to play with. Is Jimmy G going to be back and healthy? I, I think they're doing it right. I just think they're doing it right in the front office, and this is the year that it pays off. Uh, and I think uh, so for Frisco, I think they've stayed the course. This is the year that they really, really start to reap the benefits, and I think uh, San Francisco becomes a viable contender. Good call. Good call. The Chargers, second to last on my list. Draft the next guy at quarterback because they traded a fourth-round pick for Cardell Jones, and that is not the answer, not even close to the answer. So they need to really look at drafting that next guy. And speaking of the next guy, my last team, of course, Washington, and they're going to have to be looking at the next guy because if Alex Smith is his career over, I mean, this is a possible career-ending injury. And you've got some other guys. I mean, Darius Geis was supposed to be the big guy toting the ball. He got hurt in the preseason. You've got Reuben Foster now. Is he going to give you anything at, at linebacker? What's going to happen? Is there going to be anything coming out of the NFL there? So, really, they've got a lot of answers or people uh, that are they're really going to have to look to or kind of coming off of injuries or, or brand new to the team. But I think it all starts at quarterback. You, you move Kirk Cousins. Alex Smith was doing pretty well. That team was posting along. Looked like that was another worst to first, and then that was a nasty break. So, we just continue to wish the best and good health for Alex Smith because that really, really was a bad break. So Washington, who's going to be your quarterback? It's not going to be Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson. Kansas City, and I need a defensive backfield. But I'm dependent on Steve Nelson, and God only knows who outside of that. And it's just, it's not going to happen. That's pretty simple there. Yeah, pretty simple there. They've, they've got some uh, pass rush going on up front. Uh, uh, Davis had a really good year. Uh, D. Ford is kind of developing more of a kind of a specialist, but they've got the guys getting the quarterback now. But uh, Marcus Peters is someone who's just never really been replaced. So uh, you really got to get out the quarterback, or you've really got nothing there. I think that's about as simple as it gets. Well, we probably ran a little longer than what we should have, but hey, it was our, our first time together, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think uh, we we wanted the mojo to go, so uh, we'll see about getting uh, another one up here, but any parting thoughts or anything you want to add here, buddy? No, enjoy. It's the best weekend of the year football outside of the draft. This and draft weekend are my two favorite weekends of the year for football. Oh, uh, it's right up there for me, too. Uh, couldn't have said it better. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. It's beautiful. Uh, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Burl, uh, Burl Ives had it wrong. Well, I do want to say uh, for Buddy as well, thank you uh, so much for uh, for partaking in this podcast. There will be uh, many more collaborations coming up. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll be back at you soon as we uh, get closer to draft day. 